Hey, Matt. Hey, Adam. Oh, hey, uh, hey, microphone. You just kind of uh, walked in on our little conversation. Hi. You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Welcome to day 277 and 278. We just wanted to, you know, change up the beginning, because um, if you're with us, this is like episode, I don't know, 170-something. You are in it to win it, and we're so proud of you. And more than that, though, you are slowly being renewed in the way you're thinking, in the way you understand the world, the way you understand yourself, and at a minimum, you're being brainwashed by the Word of God. I think that's fair. And by that, <laughs> and by brainwashed, I mean cleansed, renewed, yeah, corrected, and fixed. Anyway, where are we today, Matt? All right. Our Old Testament reading for today is Jeremiah chapter seven, verse thirty, through chapter eleven, verse seventeen. Let's get into the Valley of Slaughter. The Valley of Slaughter. Another gruesome section in the Bible. All right. Okay. It's actually not that bad. Um, um, it's worse than you can imagine. I didn't really read it. <laughs> I was looking for a life verse and didn't really connect to this section. About uh, sacrificing your children in the Valley um, of Hinnom? I know. Why is that always a thing with humans? I, I love how God has to say, that that solution never came to my mind. I know. It, it didn't even that. enter my mind. It never entered my mind, and uh, I, which I'm becoming more and more convinced that the reason God sent his only son to die for us uh-huh. is not, I mean, I know there's a plan to save the world, but I think God can change. What do you think about this? God can change his means and methods. Like if he wants to get something across to you. Mm-hmm. He could do something and you miss it, right? Yes. So then he tries again and he uses the stars. He mm-hmm. uses someone's voice. I'm almost thinking now, God always intended to bring people back to himself, but it's our infatuation with killing our children mm-hmm. that he's like, okay, you seem to like this offering up your children. And even today, you seem to like pretending that a beautiful little embryo slash fetus is nothing. And right. For your own convenience, whatever. It used to be children were economically valuable, mm-hmm. so you wouldn't have as many children, so you're offering one up for good luck. For more children, now it's like children are a burden, and so you're getting rid of them because it ruins your life. Hmm. But this is a theme. It is. That is so crazy. So I can't, I think we've mentioned it once before, but there yeah. is this idea of um, offering up the firstborn as like a way of absolving your sins. Yes, yes. And uh, which is interesting. In it actually will play into our Colossians reading today. It all dovetails. About how Christ is the firstborn of all creation and that by him being offered up, uh, all creation's sin is absolved. And that's the thing we've talked about in the past where, like, so I guess the idea is when you're neighboring, neighbor, mm-hmm. uh, not neighboring, warring kings mm-hmm. one way to put it to bed is to offer your son as a sacrifice to say look um, I want to be forgiven for the previous wars and battles and offenses and I give you my son as like a means of mm-hmm. of clearing that yeah. but again I don't know if God's the one who is like oh I really hope that's what happens with my <laughs> creation like they they offer their own son no, in a bloody no. like I think it's God's like this is what they hear 
Yeah. This is how they work. So like even Abraham offering Isaac back in the day mm-hmm. is like, this is how they relate to their gods. They, the ultimate sacrifice to get the ultimate good mm-hmm. is to kill your own son mm-hmm. to atone for things. And so anyway, um, God so, is like horrified by it and the people of God continue to practice it. Yeah, and did you see that uh, because of their sacrificing of their children that the institution of marriage is eroded? Oh, yeah. It's interesting. So, I don't know. I was reading that going like, huh, I wonder if there's a correlation between our abortion practices and our merit rate of marital success. So, what, what's the correlation? Well, he says, um, basically, because of sacrificing your children, he says, I will silence in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem the voice of mirth the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, for the land shall become waste. Yeah. So I was like, whoa! Okay, interesting. So marriage will be on the decline because you don't value children. And what's the point of marriage? To create life and create children. So if you're just going to kill these children, I'm going to destroy your marriages. Right. It's so interesting. And then ultimately... Maybe you'll start... And ultimately, our marriage... Like, this is what God has always intended, mm-hmm. that we be married to him, and mm-hmm. our hearts are, are knit together. But I was just realizing, at the end of seven, it's a wasteland is coming. It's the same themes, right? Like, repent, or this is happening for your own good. But I just realized, like, without faith, you do all this stuff, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Yeah. And that he creates this faith, though, mm-hmm. through his word. That's the, the cycle, right? So... His word and trusting his word creates faith. The more you listen to him mm-hmm. and you see it pan out, the more you put your faith in him and the more you're growing in, um, in love and partnership with him. Yeah, so he kind of has this great ironic statement of like, um, you want to worship the stars, you want to worship the mother, the queen of heaven, yeah. then fine, your bones and everything, your graves will be desecrated and your bones and your bodies will lie up on the earth in front of the stars that you've worshipped. I know. Uh, all the gods that you've worshipped will lead you to death. And uh, we, again, get the... He kind of repeats this theme over and over about um, the priests and the prophets and the leaders have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, right. peace, peace, where there is no peace. And we keep... That's like a common theme without throughout Jeremiah is this idea of we've provided gospel when... Their law needs to be issued. Right. And uh, so they're all messed up. The, the verse in chapter 8, I'm moving to 8, it goes, uh, he's like, everyone has just failed to pay attention and listen. Everyone mm-hmm. turns to his own course, like a horse plunging headlong into battle. Right. Even the stork in the heavens knows her times, and the turtle dove, swallow, and crane know the time of their coming. And he's like, but my people know not the rules of the Lord, mm-hmm. which is ironic because they've been given from him the words of God, the rules. It's just funny. I, I, the idea of everyone does their own course, that's the daily battle against sin for us is that we just believe and start to act like it's just our own course. Yeah. We just have to do what's best for us, live my best life now because oh you're God. all alone. Yeah. And, uh, and so as a result, you end up, not knowing God, rejecting God's word, and and when you are operating apart from God's word, you lose all wisdom. Yes. 
And again, Speaking. there's the line. He repeats a lot of things, um, like the the light healing of the wound, Which, and and the yeah. prophets are gone peace, peace when there is no peace. Um, but then I'm, I mean, I don't know if you have anything else to say. But chapter nine moves to Jeremiah's yeah, heartache. So, so Jeremiah is now in full grief, mourning over the people, because uh, of just the their spiritual state and yeah. physical state. He's like watching them run headlong into destruction. And he's going, why? They do not know me, declares mm-hmm. the Lord. And it's so sad because Jeremiah's like, man, we're the people. And the people don't love their neighbor. They don't love God. So death is coming. And then um, I believe it is chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, I kind of uh, wrote down. Oh, because he says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For these things I delight, declares the Lord. I was just reminded, Paul, he writes that stuff. Like, I'm not going to boast in my riches Mm -hmm. and my birthright and who I am, like all that stuff. I'm going to boast in Christ. And so the thing we boast in is the steadfast love, the justice, and the righteousness of God on the earth. Yeah. The, uh, oh man, I want to go over, jump back a little bit with, uh, mm-hmm. uh, grab, uh, daughters of Israel and the ones who are like, so they would have like basically professional mourners at, oh, at yeah. funerals and everything. Yeah. Uh, and that would be like a, a woman's job. They would teach their daughters like funeral songs and everything. So like when a funeral came, the dirge, they would come out and they would sing these songs for the funeral and work everyone up. And that was a a job and the lord's like let's teach him a new funeral song they like singing those dirges yeah here teach your daughters this song your land's going to be destroyed by god i was like whoa that's a little intense (laughs) and then um building off of what your the your passage yeah the latter half he talks about um about the uh, uncircumcised in heart. I know. That's the thing. Oh, man. We, we see that in Colossians today, too. Yeah. The uncircumcised in heart. Like, you're circumcised in the flesh, but your heart is not set apart yeah, he as says, God's people. He says, I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. I know. There it is. Like, in the Old Testament, the Lord's like, that's never been well, enough. We've, we've that's all... just been a, a physical sign of, this spirit, of what's supposed to be a spiritual reality, that right. you are set apart from me. And that your hearts are toward me, but you're, they're not. That's the thing is like God, Jesus, you know, is all man, all, all God. And so the circumcision is supposed to be an outward fleshly thing. Mm-hmm. There's flesh in it. Mm-hmm. And then it's a spiritual reality too. It's like spirit and human. And so he's like, you have the fleshly part of it, but not the, the spiritual part. And it's, this is at least the third or fourth time we've seen circumcised heart yeah. uncircumcised heart. Like it's a very yeah. spiritual reality. Well, chapter 10 and 11, for me, it just goes into, you know, you worship gods that are basically scarecrows in a cucumber field. I know. Which I like. That's my favorite line out of those. Me too. I want to, again, I want to name a band, Scarecrows in a Cucumber Field. Because that's just fun words. Um, But it boils down to they don't obey his voice. They didn't know. They don't. um, It's just not good news for Israel and Judah because they, he really highlights all the gods they've created. Yeah. And compares them to 
your gods have no breath in them. Mm-hmm. You have to carry them around. Mm-hmm. You make them from stuff, and then you, you serve them, but they aren't real. Whereas I breathe life. Yes. I control and create and bless. And, and so it is like an absurd. You could read that, and I think it's a 10 and 11, mm-hmm. and really highlight your own um, the stuff that we worship. And kind of say, oh, it does snap you back into, oh, yeah, why am I so worried about certain things? Yeah. And then 11, he's like, all right, buckle up. You've broken the covenant. Buckle up, buttercup. You've broken the covenant that I made with you. I kept my end. You're in the land flowing with milk and honey. I know. But what are you doing? You're worshiping all these idols. So you you know the curses that befall everyone, the giant list of curses in Deuteronomy. So yeah, get ready for that. Have you ever gotten caught like in a straight up lie? Like with your hand in the proverbial cookie jar? Mm, probably. Nothing comes to mind. I, I usually mean, block those embarrassing yeah, I know. moments we like to, out. Yeah, we try to scratch those from the digital footprint. Uh-huh. But I remember I was tearing apart this little log cabin that my neighbors had built for their grandkids <laughs> yeah. in the woods. And I remember when Mrs. Cowan came around. It's because it's out in the woods, like mm-hmm. in Seattle. And for some reason, Reed and I just started ripping apart this. Be- it, was, it was a beautiful little play cabin, like with real. Everything was real, so the shingles were like real wood. And we just started. One of them was rotten, and we started like taking off the roof. And we we're pretty much done. <laughs> and she comes around the corner. And she's, Adam, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't actually know. I just expended a lot of energy and effort destroying something that I liked and have played in most of my childhood. I don't know. Anyway, I, but at least I went home and she said, tell your parents, and I did, because I knew she was going to call their neighbors. Yeah. And Reed went home and then lied. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't know what you're talking about, but we had to rebuild it and everything. But it's just that moment where you think Israel, they're not quite caught yet. It's like they haven't been caught yet. Jeremiah saying, this is stupid. Why are you tearing off the roof to everything mm-hmm. good? Um, because when the moment comes, it is devastating. Your heart just drops and you kind of wake up from your stupor and you're like, this is bad. Yeah. And that's, what's, that's what Jeremiah is trying to say to his people. Thank you, Jesus, that we have woken up and we're able to go, all right, forgive me. New Testament reading for today is Colossians chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 5. New book! We're gonna take a trip through a new book. You're really gonna like it. It's kind of a lot like Ephesians. It's a similar epistle from prison. Oh, yeah. Except that he's most likely in Ephesus at this time, in prison. So no wonder it sounds a little bit like Ephesians, only better. I think, I love this book. I memorized this book back in the day. You know what makes this book unique? From the the other epistles, other letters that he's writing? I have some ideas, but what? Uh, He has not met anyone in Colossae. Interesting. Well, he is familiar with the what I refer to affectionately as incipient Gnosticism. 
Oh, yeah. It's the very beginning. So what's cool about it, Colossians is he he's always writing these letters to, of course, unite people under mm-hmm. the gospel, right? So yes. you have to correct the gospel view and then encourage everyone to gather under it and then say, here's what that's going to kind of look like. Mm-hmm. Love God, love your neighbor. And so in this one, though, the battle, like in Galatians, it's Judaizers. you got to mm-hmm. go back to the law. So he has to hit that. In um, Ephesians, it's kind of similar. It's a little bit Jewish stuff, Philippians. Yeah. But in this one, it is a little more Gnostic. And so the idea of Gnostic is, it's not full-blown Gnosticism as we know it today, mm. but the idea behind it is there's secret knowledge that you're given. So like if you get really spiritual, God reveals mm-hmm. the next level to you, you yes. know, and then you move up and you're slowly moving up more into a spiritual realm than mm-hmm. others. And undergirding all that is real stuff is only spiritual. Yes. And so, um, anything physical is evil. And so after years of reading this book, I think this is also mixing with there's Kabbalah ideas yes. like Jewish mysticism. So you yes. got Jewish mysticism really being connected to the Greek mysticism of mm-hmm. Gnosticism, which is all secret knowledge stuff. And that's why Colossians is such a great book because he doesn't know anybody there, but he's, he goes on at the very beginning about how he thanks God for their faith because he hears about their faith. He hears about yeah. the good that they're doing. Because they were set up by uh, a colleague of Paul's, uh, Epaphras. I know. Who, had, who went to uh, and started these Colossian churches. So he's, yeah, he's, it's like if you went and started something, I've never been there, but Matt, has told yeah. me all about you guys That's and exactly I've heard about like. your faith yeah. and he's so excited for him. He's like, um, you've heard and believed in the word of truth and he, his whole deal is to keep them centered on mm-hmm. the truth and not let um, the false teaching about the gospel yeah. be perverted or anything. Um, and then he mentions his, his bro, his fellow servant Epaphras. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf mm-hmm. and has made known to us your love in the spirit. So that's like the intro, right? Um, and then I love how Paul prays. Did you catch that in chapter one, verse nine, kind of down through? He just like writes prayers out and, and I love it. it. I mean, this is just a prayer. I think it's so good because we've gotten in the habit of when someone asks us to pray, yeah. we just text them the prayer. Yes. And it's been like... Which I encourage everybody to do. If it's says, actually really nice. It is. Someone pray for me, just pray in that moment right then when they ask, get it over with. <laughs> And so here we have Paul writing out prayers in the in the letter. I mean, his prayer too is that like you'd be filled with knowledge, right, of his will and spiritual wisdom and understanding. So to walk in a manner fully pleasing to God, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Why? That may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might and endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of... I mean, it's just such a beautiful run-on sentence prayer. But what I hear there is when I'm trying to encourage somebody, Mm -hmm. I am listing every good and beautiful thing about them. I'm like, I'm praying that you might hear the love of God. Mm -hmm. You might know that you're a faithful husband. You're a a hard worker. You're this, this... Like, remember who you are. Like, remember where Mm -hmm. you've come from. Remember how the gospel has reformed you and I'm praying that you walk into that with joy and patience endurance qualified for inheritance and transferred into a new kingdom like all that stuff so cool he, he is focusing too on uh, the knowledge stuff yeah because he's, he's like 
secretly undermine not secretly actually he's just undermining the <laughs> he's undermining secret knowledge secret knowledge and yes. going trying to reinforce like look you have the knowledge yeah and god's made it clear to us all and it's for all of us and we can grasp it and it doesn't have to be hidden or earned well and it's a gift and for freely him, given and for paul it begins with the image of christ right so he, yes he writes in um the second part of chapter one, this hymn about Christ as creator and redeemer, mm-hmm. but he's using this language of he is the image of the invisible God. So like he's going to be breaking down the mystery and the secret, but I just thought that word image in light of all the um, idolatrous stuff in the Old Testament where they're yeah. carving up images, that Christ is the image of God. And, and he's breathing. Sh- and he's breathing. Walking, and he's talking. Mobile, yeah. And he's healing. Oh, man. Like, think about how cool, yeah. like, Paul's thing is, we don't worship idols, and we don't just worship ideas. Mm-hmm. We worship the image of God, the firstborn of all creation, who, by the way, like, this is where you learn about Christ as creator. Mm-hmm. You want to know, you want to know more about Christ? Go to uh, the second part of Colossians 1, and you learn that um, by him, that Jesus was at creation. Mm-hmm. In heaven and on earth. And you'll see that over and over again, right? Jesus connects heaven and earth. Yeah. So in uh, verse 19, starting in 19, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. (laughs) I'm like, whoa! Whoa! Well, you didn't. You let's do a sermon on that. You left out the middle verses. Yeah, and it's 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 so good because it's just about everything's held together by Christ. Everything was created by Christ. He's over all creation. He's over the church. He's over the world. This is who he is. He's a real person who breathes, talks, walks, and he's really one hundred percent spiritual. Like Paul's trying to say, don't get caught up in this spiritual mysticism stuff. Right. Our what we believe is completely physical and completely spiritual because it's the God of all creation. He is hitting that. He's yeah. hitting, because again, Gnosticism is a division Separation. between yeah. spirit and flesh. And so he's very, he's being very clear by saying he is now reconciled in his body of flesh yeah. by his death. So what God has created is ultimately good. Yeah. Like the physical part, and I think this is seeped into a lot of our Christianity even today, is we do have this thing of like anything from us, anything of the like world or anything is evil. It's secular, sacred <clears throat> distinction. And and Paul's going, remember God created things, right. spiritual and physical. That, see, this is the language Paul would say. He reconciled and made peace between sacred, sacred and, and secular. Sacred. Yeah. For the Christian, that's why we're that's what he's free. Doing. Yes. So we're free to bring the secular, the sacred into the secular. Mm-hmm. But because he's king over all <clears> of it. And he's like, you once were alienated, right? You yeah. once were like all this stuff, but now you've been reconciled by his body of flesh, by his death. Mm-hmm. Like he is hitting body of flesh, flesh, flesh and blood. Yeah, he keeps saying for the sake of his body, uh, like be in the flesh. Like he keeps hitting those yeah. terms to kind of be like, look, that's not wrong. Yes. Because usually in, in, other, in other letters, he will use like, uh, flesh spirit yes. to talk about... Um, like the flesh is bad. Like you're acting according to the spirit of this world, which is yeah. the fle- only the flesh in yeah. mind. Yeah, so he will use those terms in other letters mm-hmm. where this confusion isn't being made. But now that this confusion is being made, he's going, wait, 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 wait. 
No, no, don't get caught up in thinking like everything physical is wrong. Because this crowd is leaning this way. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing you have to realize when you're reading the Bible. It's not all the same audience. No. So one audience is really legalistic, one mm-hmm. is really licentious, and you got to go one way or the other. So yeah, he's he's hitting that. And then uh, in the end of chapter one, beautiful, he goes like, okay, now you want to know about a mystery hidden, what? hidden in the for the ages and generations. Well, he does talk one more time about sufferings for your sake in my flesh. Yes. Yeah. Christ's affliction for the sake of his body. Yes. Which is the church. But yes, let's get to the real Gnostic mystery. Yeah. You want to know what the mystery is? Yes. It's been hidden from ages and generations, but has now been revealed to who? To who? His saints. His saints. You guys are the saints. You all who have faith, don't depart from the faith. Do you guys know the secret? Yeah, we want to know the secret. What is it? What is it? Oh, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You Gentiles now can have Christ be united to this whole story through Christ. There's the mystery. It's Wait, for you guys. But It's about you. But that's more confusing because we don't we need to become more Jewish or more spiritual? No. No, actually, you need to stay... Be human, yeah, and it's to all humans. Well, that's that's the idea. Is the mystery is Christ is in you. This is the mystery Jesus says when your faith will move mm-hmm. mountains, right? The mystery yes. is yes, Jew and Gentile, all and Gentile just means nations, right? Mm-hmm. The nations that weren't chosen to carry the, the uncircumcised nations will now worship and gather mm-hmm. together and worship at Zion. Their hearts will be mm-hmm. circumcised. They'll be drawn to the great mount of the Lord, which is. By the work of God's word and Holy Spirit and sacrament mm-hmm. everywhere. So Christ has come to the world for all. And um, he also comes to each individual through word and sacrament. So Christ in us, the fullness of God dwelling in us. This is the mystery. Yeah. And it's the hope of glory. So what a strange thing in a world where there's temples, there's <laughs> secret knowledge. But even today, you know, we're, we're, it's hard to believe that we have access to the throne of grace in the name of Christ and access to his peace to bear fruit. But this is our faith. And the more we access this through the word of God and through the sacraments and through church, the more we grow in our faith and rely on it and believe it. And uh, this is where Paul says too, him we proclaim, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. I'm suffering for this mystery. Yes. I want you to know that Christ is in you, and therefore you are now at peace with the heavenlies. And you because peace to earth. Christ is in me, I can struggle with his energy. Well, he's in you, so it's his energy now that yeah. works in you. Yeah. And that means his you have access to his faith, his humility. His forgiveness and righteousness. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yours working in you. Mm-hmm. Don't resist that. And that's the great mystery. Well, that's not a great mystery. We've known that for a long time. Right. Yeah. Well, he this kind of... This isn't a secret religion. He, again, is hitting at in 2, 1 through 5. Are we he's, supposed to read 2 through 1 through 5? 1 through 5, yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's just kind of encouraging them again. Like, look, I want you guys to be united to one another. Not a new message. <laughs> but you're united... Knit together in love. You're united through the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. And that's so, so great he says that, the knowledge of God's mystery. He's like, look, that's what unites you. It's Christ. It, but he's using, again, I love that he's using 
their words, their language. And he even says, God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So like all the treasures and secret knowledge is in Christ. Yes. Get to know Christ. Yes. And you are in the cool club yes. and you are being elevated to rule in the heavenlies with him. But just know Christ suffered in the flesh. So it's not going to look really cool in the flesh. But doesn't secret knowledge usually make me powerful and I can manipulate others and like dominate? Oh, no. <laughs> well, no, he says, no. That's why he says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Mm-hmm. Because it will, the good arguments is, hey man, you can't just give the secret knowledge of your craft away. Otherwise, yeah. no one needs a blacksmith. And reason was like, man's reason was slowly being elevated at this point. I like how it ends the, with, you're right, it, it's the reason, and he goes, I'm absent in the body, yet I'm with you in spirit. So I've never met you, but our spirits are joined together. Because those are still important. Yes. Spirit and body, they're connected. It's not one over the other. And then he's, he's, the, he's the, the perfect sandwich sandwich guy, where you say something positive, you kind of hit some truth, and then you come back positive. And he yeah. ends, in this section anyway, with um, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Like, it's so cool, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you want a secret knowledge? You have it all. It's there and... and you're in you, the cool club. That's the title of this episode. You're in the cool club. And you can spend your whole life diving into the mysteries of Christ. Yeah. If you want to spend your time in the mysteries and secret stuff, man, get to know Christ and you'll find out he was there at creation. He holds all things together. He is creation. diving in. Thanks, Paul. Today I am reading Psalm 116, verses 10 through 19. I believed, even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, are all all mankind are liars? What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.